same way that football leather is stitched together by a needle and a piece of wax-coated string, Paul Kelly's music is woven into Australian culture. But I'm wondering just how deep is his personal connection to the game? What does the fierce chaos of football do to our most loved songwriting troubadour? Paul, we're going to have a cup of tea and then have a bit of a, a bit of a wander through time. When did your relationship with footy start? How, how old were you? I think between five and seven. I can still remember the, the, the headline of the footy budget in South Australia where I grew up. They called it the budget. You know, it was um, not the record. For some reason it's called the budget. The budget. And uh, there was a headline saying, whole town's talking about red legs. So I, can, I still see that headline. I probably would have been 61, 62. We played, a, we played a good game or something early in the season and we played a good game. Yeah. But, um, sadly, they went on to disappoint me for many, <laughs> many years. Which I think is actually, you know, part of... That's... Partly formed my character. Yeah. As a kid, I wanted to play football for Norwood. My brother, yeah. John, and I had a bet, a dollar bet, about who would be the first to play football for Norwood. So Still. we both we both lost. <laughs> but, and so um, you described Norwood as we, so the red legs is... That's your, that's your the first. Legs, yeah. That's your first footy family. Yeah, so it was a family team. It was yep. um, uh, going back a couple of generations, and we all barracked for the Red Legs, except yep. one younger brother who decided to barrack for South. There's South always England. one. Yeah, it was a bold move at the time because not many. I mean, I know people, families do it. So many families now have, you know, three or four different yep. teams within the family because dad and mum and the kids and the kids will pick their own team depending yep. on their mates, but. Back then, this is in 19, early 60s, it was you had to stick to the family team. So it was actually pretty courageous by David, my younger brother. My little Frankie's just sort of dropped a bomb on us recently that now she barracks for Richmond. It's, I, I, what do you, how do you... How do you handle that? I don't know. I've just gone silent treatment. Are you silent treatment? I just wait for her to, yeah. wait for her to come back to the family plan. Yeah. What, what about your footy heroes? Did you, did you have any as a, as a young kid? And were they red legs or were they... When did it they sort of stretch legs. into the VFL? Oh, oh they, were, they were red legs at first. They were um, Bill Wedding, Ruckman, Tor Ruckman. Yeah. And then I also remember highlights, VF, VFL highlights, at 10 o'clock on yeah. a Saturday night, black and white TV. And I remember seeing Hassaman. I mean, these great, great names. Name. Hat to a 10-year-old kid. Hassaman and Ron Barassi. So I remember those players from black yeah. and white. I still remember some of the players from other teams that were great exponents of the drop kick, which is... A kick that I love, as passion, you know. You've got a passion for the drop kick, don't you? Well, you know, just because I can do them, so <laughs> I like I like to do them when I when I kick the footy, just for fun. When did you start? But was completely was, useless skill. Yeah. And were you were you pretty handy as a player? What 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 type of player were you? What, how would you describe yourself? Um, I was a rover. A rover. You know, a rover. Does anyone know what a rover is? No, anymore? I don't. Nah, not a, not a handsome rambler. Inside no, mid, a, now it's called. Or I, I was on the ball. I wasn't fast, so I was I was more of an in and under. Player. So yep. just going see ball, get ball. I was one of those guys. See ball, get ball, drop kick ball. Oh yeah, not then. Not in the not in the game. That was more No no drop kicks in it, I suppose. You need it's time and then Yeah, I think I must have started doing drop kicks, you know, later on. <laughs> just out of... I didn't don't, don't think I did them in a game. They were more just when I started kicking the ball, you know, after I'd finished playing footy competitively and just I must have done them as a kid. I just don't remember doing them in a game. It, even that, then it would be sort of considered too risky. Yeah. 
You've been described um, by some friends of yours, people close to you, as a, as a sensualist. Do you, can you can you think when you think of like things like first footy boots or the football leather? Does that conjure anything for you? Oh, one of my favourite smells is the smell of a, a new Sharon. You know, just that's or maybe just the, the feel the, the feel of it. You know, the hold the hold a new football and the, before that first kick to know that football is never going to be the same. It's just going to start <laughs> its journey. Um, Journey into decay and dereliction, but uh, you know, in a, but you've got that sweet, sweet period where you've you've got the new football and it uh, actually gets a little bit better for a while from that, you know, because it's a bit stiff. Yeah, get that hits that sweet spot for a, you know. Is that a, is that a metaphor of, for life? It probably is. Most things in life are a metaphor for life, but I do love that smell of it. I like being part of a big, being in a big crowd. So yeah, I, I still remember going to the football with. My niece Sophia, when she was about five years old, and um, we walked, you know, sort of walked in, walked up to the seats, and the, just as the ball was bounced for the start of the game, this huge roar, and her eyes just like almost popped out of her head. Um, and I was like, I, I wonder if she, she probably can still remember that. I, I, I remember it very clearly. Those big games where there's a full crowd, really, um, and you're just part of this huge organism. Uh, I like that. A friend of mine who, um, he, he happened to be sitting just down from you at a, at a football game a couple of years ago and, he, and he, he wasn't sort of prying. Well, he told me he wasn't prying, but he did notice that you had the footy record out and was scratching, scratching the goals and behinds. Yeah. I always have the, um, the budget or the record and yeah. a pen. Just it's just to, because just I did it as just, a kid, so yeah. I, just, I just like to do it. I like to be able to, you know, know who's kicked three yeah. goals, two points. And maybe casually mentioned to, to the person yeah. next to me, so this is his third goal and his second point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be able to show in your own little <laughs> special comment. Football is such a chaotic game, so it's mm. sort of a little way of putting your some own little of way control. of putting some order on it. Human beings are complex characters. That's an obvious thing to say, particularly to someone like yourself. But you know, as the the literate songwriter, thoughtful, sensitive. But does the game bring out the neuroses in you? Does it bring out a an illogical sort of madness in you ever? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I, I, I play the if I, watching crows or. Yeah, my team. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm twitching, and you know, I, I don't even know it until someone points out to me. You're moving your leg, or you're, yeah. you know, because you see the player with the ball, and you wanted to kick it over there. So you sort of, the bodies. So there's a lot of that magic, magical thinking going on. Yeah, you know, sometimes when it gets too close, I have to walk out the room. I remember as a kid, I was when Norbert in a close game. I would, it was just on the radio then, so that's even worse. That's, that, that magnifies it, the radio. Yeah, because you actually can't see what's going on. It's just, they're just talking about it. You can't, <laughs> you can't do anything about it. So I would just run outside, kick the ball to myself for a bit, run back inside and check the score. Too close again, run outside. So it's, it's always been a bit like that. I'm a pen thrower. So I'm, I'm a, if I watch it on TV, I'm, I'm up out of the couch at home and if something, if I'm up, I just throw the pen. That's it. Just, that's it. It's weird, it's weird tension, isn't it? The tension of it yeah, yeah. Is, un is, what, is unbearable. Why do, we get so, why do we get so tense about it again? Yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah, it's a, that's, the, that's the eternal question, yeah. I suppose. And people who don't sort of follow football in that way think 
we're mad. Yeah. <laughs> well, we are. Don't, have you no, people always... I, I notice this with, with Bulldog supporters. Across the board, whatever station of, of life they're at, they all describe them as, I'm a mad Bulldog supporter. It's not, <laughs> I'm a passionate... They don't describe themselves as passionate or, you know, it's, it's, they, they reach for the word... Mad. Mad. Yeah. You mentioned um, the Crows... But the Crows didn't come into the competition until, what, 92? Mm. Yeah. And so were you... Did you have an allegiance to any VFL side before that or was it once uh, the Crows were in, then you were...? It was, it was Melbourne, of course, because they were red and blue. And oh, the Demons. of course, you're right. So Nord were the Demons in the yep. 50s and then they changed to the Red Legs. I moved to Melbourne in 77 and um, I ended up... You know, I just followed Melbourne straight away. And then... So that's you know, 15 years, and then the Crows came in and... Uh, was it easy to say goodbye or was it...? Was well, it... I just, you know, you know, people say you don't choose your football team, so yeah. it's sort of, again, like, didn't say, I'm going to vote for the Crows now, it's just like, I wanted the Crows to do well and I, so yeah. I wanted them to win, so I ended up switching and I still get, you know, for years and years afterwards, I'll get friends say at the start of the season saying, Oh, so who are you going to bury for this? Year? <laughs> you, know, you know, in Melbourne, it's a little jive. If you change teams in in Melbourne, you know, yeah, you never get, you never yeah, sort of lose. Well, that's what's happening in the the Murphy household at the moment. When we watch. Dustin Martin play or Buddy Franklin or, you know, the, the best players in the competition. And there's a kind of obvious appreciation for how much work goes in. But with a song, so you drop a, you drop a song onto the radio and it looks to us like a pulling a rabbit out of a hat or a magic trick. But it's, it's clearly not. There must be moments of inspiration, but it, it must take a lot of blood, sweat and tears. Yeah, I don't know about... I wouldn't say songwriting is blood, sweat and tears. Uh, it's, I think it's a, a lot of boredom where, where nothing's happening and then some, suddenly something does. There's that kind of... Um, those kind of analogies with sport where you have to actually put in a, a yeah. lot of hours where so things are becoming uh, automatic. It's not blood, sweat and tears. It's, it's play, which, I, which sport is as well. But yeah. it's also... Um, it's like doodling. You know, you pick up... I go to the guitar or the piano and try things out. Um, and nothing much happens. Yeah. So, and that can go on for days, weeks. If, if I'm in a period where I've got a couple of months clear here, this is the time to write some songs. Yeah. It never happens like that. I thought one of the sort of main ways I write songs is sort of getting inspired by yeah. other people's songs. So I think the best way to, to write is just to love and study the things that you love. Yeah. So this is, I think it's true for any kind of writing. You just, if you want to write, read a lot. If you want to write songs, listen to a lot of songs and just try and figure them out. Are you kind of intrigued by the magic of you have time off and you, you're noodling around and, and then for some reason on a certain day that you play a certain note and it, it sparks something? Oh, uh, yeah. But you just, the thing is you don't know when that, that, that will happen. Yeah. So, yeah, just like play, play a chord and another chord and suddenly, oh, that sounds like it could be a song. Um, but I have a lot, so that, that, those kind of things happen all the time. So where I'm, I'm playing and I get an idea and I sing a melody over some chords and maybe there's some sounds attached to it or yep. some words. Um, but it's not, it's not finished, but I just I record it now because I know 
I know I'll forget it if I don't record yep. it. So I have a whole lot more song ideas that, than ever become songs. It'll yep. probably be like, you know, where are they? Fifty kept? to one. Yeah, right. You know, are they on I'd tapes? Be... Are they on your phone? They used Where to be on. They? They're still on the cassettes, which I can still play because I still got a cassette player. I've got stacks and stacks of cassettes of me singing into a, into a tape recorder. If you could re reduce it all down to the spark of a new song, the completion of a new song, hearing your song on the radio for the first time, being at a festival, having people sing that song back to you—is what's kind of the what's kind of the high watermark for a for the pure buzz, for want of a better term? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I guess, well, I, w I was going to say, when, I, when you know you've got the song and you, it's fair, you know, you've written a song and you know, oh, this song's finished, but it's actually never like that. So when I write a song, it's usually, is that finished yet? Uh, is it any good? Uh, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll record it, then I'll, you know, play it the next day. Is it any good? Um, some days I think, yeah, it's pretty good. And then the next day I think, no, it's not very good. So yeah, doesn't, the, that the, kind of the, thrill yeah, never happens. Yeah. Yeah. Probably doesn't happen that often with the writing of a song. Yeah. The biggest thrill I can remember is when it, you take, again, say maybe you take that song to the band, everyone just sort of, they just play it. They don't, it's not like no one talks about, I'll do this and you do that. They just play the song and, the, and it's there. That sounds quite magical. Yeah, so that, that that's, happens every now and then. Yeah. That's probably that's probably that's the, what keeps you chasing it. Yeah, chase that. Paul, I, I love the metaphor of the the football, the leather, and the the arc of time. And I suppose, how, how do you feel? How's the football leather so far between us? We, we've kicked it in. I think it's got a nice sort of yeah, nice wear a, to it. I think it's in a good sweet spot right now. Paul, you by nature, um, I, I've observed you to be an observer. What do you observe about about football in the in the modern era? I like the development of you know, tactics and uh, um, you know when you know flooding first came in and. All those terms, the front press, the frontal, frontal press, pressure, all, all that. Lowering um, the eyes. That's <laughs> <laughs> not. Yeah, there's always, there's always a new buzzword every year, yeah. isn't there? I'm, I'm waiting for this year's yeah. uh, special word yeah, or phrase. Yeah. Um, at a time, a lot of people saying, "Oh, the game's you know getting too crowded, or it's getting too low scoring." Actually, I didn't mind that. That these more, I sort of enjoyed the the tactics of the of the game. On the other hand, I love it this year that they've. They've got rid of the runners. I think that's was such a blight in our game. I'm not a particular fan of of the way um, the scoreboards and the, and when you go to the ground now, there's the scoreboard shouting at you all the time. So I don't like that that part of the game. And I also think people talk about football too much. <laughs> <laughs> much as I like, um, yeah watching footy shows and uh, analysing. I can't watch too many, you know. Yeah. I like that's... AFL 360 once a week, so yeah, maybe, yeah. is, you know. Then it's a, that's, a, you know, Monday night, yep. get, get a little talking about footy done, but then I couldn't watch it over and over yep. all week long. I've observed in my... I've spent more than half my life in football and I've observed a kind of evolving masculinity, one that is becoming, um, I guess, maybe more emotional, more... Um, more more sensitive. Um, mm -hmm. do, is that something you've observed 
from afar in football or, or is this something of a, that has a broader nature of, of young men in Australia? Um, no, I've observed it. You know, it is an incredibly um, stressful um, place to, to be in, to be in a, playing uh, football every week in front of big crowds where, you know, you're so just judged or you constantly judged because mm. it's, it's not, you know, there's a difference to sort of being on, performing on stage where you, you, you've got your thing and you do it. I'm not competing against anyone. I'm not going to win the game or lose the game or fail yeah. or play a shocking game or, you know, suddenly take a couple of short steps in, 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 yeah. to a, instead of marking the ball and suddenly yeah. that's replayed a thousand times. So, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of stress for young, young men and um, I think finally now they're allowed, being allowed an outlet to to talk about it when that, that stress becomes too much or that they have issues, they'll talk about things, you know, uh, emotions and, and uh, you know, difficult periods they've had. There's a, a lot more players are speaking up at, about uh, depression and, um, uh, and having other kinds of, you know, anxiety and stress issues. As you know, football clubs are emotional places. There's a, a long history of music and social issues and, and, and you have written songs of, with, with a social conscience and have lived a life of a social conscience, but what, what, what role do you think sport can play? It's a, it's a big question, but specifically, what, what role do you think football can, can play in, in, in shaping social issues? Oh, I think it can play a big role and we, well, I think we, we've seen it do that. I mean, it's such a... Um, it's such a wide, widespread, um, widely loved game. So many people are involved in it. I mean, you, how many people go to a round of football each week? 400,000. And who watch, watch it on TV. So it's really... Yeah. Um, and as, as, uh, as, as times have, have changed, all those, all those issues come through football too. You know, from Nicky Winmar lifting his jumper and, I mean, further back than that. Yeah. And, but, yeah, I think it's... I think it can be a great force for change. Can you take yourself back to that time? Did it? Did it? Did it sort of stop you? Can you? Is it? Is it that yeah, big a moment in your I, life? Yeah, I remember. I remember it, it straight away. It was just, this is huge. I, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it was, and it's grown since then over time. But uh, even at the time, it felt to me like big news and the start of something. You, you've. Clearly written hundreds and hundreds of songs. By my count, three cricket songs. Not yeah. too many footy songs. We have claimed leaps and bounds. The football community, I think, which I'm sure you're aware, have, we have we have claimed it. High on the hill, looking over the bridge to the MCG. Yeah. That was kind of enough for us to go. That's a footy song. Mm-hmm. It wasn't <laughs> intended that way, but I know that songs do what you know. They're out of your control once they go out. So they do things you don't expect. So it can be a footy song if you want. I always thought it was a song about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe footy's a game about a game about nothing. Paul, are you part of a secret football society? If I tell you, I might have to kill you. <laughs> 
There's one, in, there's one of them's in this room. He's on the camera. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want you to give away to because there is a, there is a, a beautiful mystique about it. But, but you still have a kick, don't you? And there's a, a group of people that get together and they, and they do circle work. That's, yeah. And there's a... Yeah, that's true. That's, that, that's all true. Yeah. And it's been going um, since the early 90s. It sort of started to coalesce and become um, semi-organised in, in 95. Um, and where we start, started to develop our own rituals, like we have a super kick every year, and we have a we have a pie night every year now. We're not official. We still have to move grounds because we don't, you know. There's um, no home. We know we're homeless. We're like a gorilla band or a, <laughs> yeah, an arco syndicalist collective or something. Gorilla kick. There's no there's no real sort of no one's in charge. And, and it's a motley crew, isn't it? There's... Yeah, young ones, old ones, all all kinds of yeah. professions. We have an opera singer. We have builders. Lawyers, uh, trade unionists, uh, painters, few cameramen, cameramen, yeah, a few cameramen, um, and musicians and comedians, yeah. So it's it's quite it's quite a mix. Is it is it true that the the giveaway of who the musicians are is they won't go for the half volley in case the fingers are jarred and thus making them unable to play their instrument? Is that? Oh, that I didn't, don't instrument? know about that. Who's okay. been talking to you? Oh no, just. Everything to do with this no, is all, that, it's, in that, the, it's in the ether. Yeah. No, the, one of the reasons it's been always been strictly non-contact is for exactly that reason, because there's... People When it that. first started off, it was mainly, a, you know, a few guys in bands and then, and then uh, you know, once you start competing for the ball and, yeah. um, you know, fingers can get... And I, I'm pretty... I'm pretty prone to... You've got the... Uh, broken fingers. I've broken a couple honor. in my time. That's that a football badge of honour. Everyone needs a... That's one a of them. Knuckle, that's mine. And every now and then, you know, someone young comes along and joins up. Says, "Let's have a game," you know. Yeah. So, no, <laughs> no. In football sport, it's people. We win or lose. That's kind of what. If we reduce sport down to that, it's win or lose. Good days, bad days. Describe a bad day as a performer. Um, well, the lesson. I mean, there would used to be, I guess, many more, but the things uh, rolling along. More easily now. That's you know, it comes with a certain amount of success, and you know, much further back there'll be more train wrecks and gigs, or you know, no, you know, people didn't show up, or they didn't, they hated us. You know, touring overseas in the nineties. I remember touring with Joe Jackson and playing in Italy. I particularly, particularly remember. And um, what the Italian? What they they didn't go for it. The Italians. <laughs> oh yeah, they practiced my Italian. I said, you know, <laughs> hello in Italian. And well, you've got some Italian heritage, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> my that... grandfather. <laughs> no, they just, they just, they were there for Joe, and they come in beforehand, yeah. and they're just talking and eating, and and uh, and uh, and they're paying no attention to the yeah. opening act. Except there was two goth teenagers at the front, yeah, right. so it seemed to be goth right into Italian it. teenagers. And I thought, okay, I'll play for them. I'll play for the two. Yeah, that's the that's the that's yeah. the first rule. Yeah, <laughs> play for the people listening, not the people talking. As a songwriter traveling around the world. How, is, how have those two worlds kind of interlocked of trying to follow football results while, while you know, being a, a yeah, no, we, singer-songwriter? Yeah, you know, there's quite a few, quite a few uh, footy heads in the band as well. So it's definitely got, definitely got better over the years in terms of being able to, you know... Yep. Um, I have a, uh, an app that I can watch games yep. overseas. and We were on tour in 2017 and it was around the finals time, so we were watching the finals leading up to it in hotel rooms on the, on the computer. And then it came to the grand final with the Crows in Richmond. And uh, so Bill's 
on the Tigers. The rest of the band's neutral. We're playing in Dallas. We're on the, the big touring bus. Yeah. And we hooked up the game, uh, you know, through my phone onto the TV uh, on the bus. A little pixelated, but we, we watched the whole game, how, sadly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there was how, nowhere, how did the mood... There was nowhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> what, yeah, what, that was, no, you know, so you're trapped, I'll, I'll there's no car the park, there's no... Never get off the bus, yeah. Paul, I think the, the football we started with, we kicked it in. I think now it's a f- sufficiently sort of tired and weathered. It needs, it probably needs a, a rub of, of dubbing on it. Um, but, I, but I want to thank you for, for the cup of tea, for the, for the chat. Very generous with your time. Well, thank you for having me and for a great chat. And thank you for all the pleasure you've given me as a, as a footballer and a writer over the years. Thanks very much. And I really love that the recent piece you did about... Um, the new kind of masculinity. Oh, yeah, so the new congrats kind of, on that. Yeah. So. There's the buzzword for this year, <laughs> AFLM. Look out. Scandalous. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Cheers. I used to be such a weirdo. I used to go to footy. Dad would pick me up from school. We'd go to South Freo training and I wouldn't get home till 9 o'clock. I loved it, but me and Mum were laughing so hard because I probably never did homework. I was just at the footy club with my dad. Um, Doing a different kind of homework, mate. <laughs> yeah. This has been a Fox Sports production.